listening to From the Friars, the podcast of the community of Franciscan Friars of the Renewal, headquartered in the Bronx, New York. May the Lord give you his peace. Amen. I don't know how to say this in Spanish, but what is the cause of our joy? The conception of... Thank you, yeah. So Nicaragua, that's going to be said many times today, right? And um, so, brothers, this is going to be one of those days where the feast of the Immaculate Conception of Mary is like, what can, you know, so much could be said. So much could be said. So I'm going to really struggle to bring it to two essential points. And um, if I'm successful or not, please forgive me. Um, I'd like to title the homily, Preserved by Being Prepared. In the opening prayer, beautiful opening prayer for Mass today, we prayed, O God, who by the Immaculate Conception of the Blessed Virgin prepared a worthy dwelling for your Son, grant, we pray, that as you preserved her from every stain, da 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 it was Jesus who was her Savior. Okay. So, preserved by being, prepared by being preserved. Um, so, first of all, just a little shout out to the wonderful insights of blessed John Duns Scotus, who was the guy in history who was able to articulate the theology needed for the Pope to proclaim dogmatically ex cathedra from the chair in 1854, Pope Pius IX, that, that this solemnity, this feast day, this uh, doctrine that Mary was immaculate, immaculately conceived, um, and it's still, it's kind of sad that to this, side note, to this day, Duns Scotus does not get the credit he deserves. An amazing theologian, and, and uh, so we need to give him a little shout out, props. I don't know how that works when somebody's in heaven, they get all the props they need from God. But um, So it's still amazing how many people think, oh, the Immaculate Conception, that's that Mary conceived Jesus in her womb miraculously without, without the aid of a man, you know, the virginal conception. No, the Immaculate Conception, her parents... Saints Joachim and Anne, a normal marital act, nothing different there. And then the first instant of her conception, God gave her a special grace, unique and singular. No one else got this grace, just her, uh, in view of the merits of Jesus on the cross. So he is the Savior. Somehow, because of his divinity, his grace is outside of time. So uh, think all the movies you've ever seen that has, like, time travel. <laughs> or um, was it Doctor Strange? the Marvel hero has the ability to kind of like make time go like forward and backward or whatever. It's like really, really cool. Uh, something like that, only more cool, what God did. And um, the graces that she received prepared her to be who she was supposed to be in God's plan, the mother of God. So the grace she received prepared her for her place in God's plan. And the same is true for all of us. Every grace that we receive is connected to what we need to be prepared any Boy Scouts, Cub Scouts in the church here today? Be prepared, okay? To be who you're supposed to be in God's plan. To do what you're supposed to do. Your unique, singular, beautiful, unrepeatable place in the puzzle of history. This piece only goes right here, boom, and it, it fits right there. Beautiful. Um, so that, that is, uh, today is a testimony to the grace of God. That this God who is all good, who is all powerful, who is all knowing, who is all loving, he gives us the grace that we need um, to prepare us to do what we need to do to be who we need to be in his plan. 
Um, uh, that, that would be my number one takeaway from today's feast day, right there. That this is what happened in Mary's life. What happened in Mary's life happens in the life of every Christian, every believer. She's our model. She's our exemplar. She is our humanity's highest boast. She is a singular work of God and his grace. And so um, beautiful, beautiful, beautiful. But I would like to propose that there's even something more deep and more profound at play today. And I'm taking a cue from the Office of Readings from December 20th. There's this wonderful, amazing sermon from St. Bernard de Clairvaux, which we read every year on the 20th of December. And uh, in this sermon, St. Bernard has this kind of imaginative moment where all of creation is waiting for Mary's yes. When the angel comes to her, which we had in the gospel, and uh, she was left free to say yes or no, but God gave her the grace that she needed to be like Eve before the fall. And um, just as Adam and Eve said no, so Mary and then Jesus will say yes. Um, there's all that parallelism between Adam and Eve and Mary and Jesus, the new Adam, the new Eve. But St. Bernard has this imaginative sermon, you all know, where like all of creation is holding its breath, like say yes, say yes, and, and what her yes is going to mean. Um, and so I would like to take a cue from that. And let's, let's look at um, this question of the Immaculate Conception in the largest possible context. Ooh, now that's a big claim, huh? The largest possible complex, I would, uh, context. I would like to propose that uh, the deepest level of today's feast day, the, the very deepest level of what this means, that God gave this grace to Mary, it has to do with the goodness of God, that God's own goodness was at stake. His, the nature of God, that he is good, that he's all good. There is no evil in God. Um, that is at the very, very bottom or center of what we're celebrating today. How can I say that? That is a huge claim. So let's try to rewind the tape a little bit. And we know that before creation, God was just God, right? What did God do before he created creation? Nothing. He didn't have time. That's a bad joke. Okay, right? Because time is part of creation. That's separate from God, right? So the, the line between the creator and the creation, those are separate. Creation is not divine, so there's no pantheism, okay? So before everything, it's like that's the, the ultimate rewinding of the tape. It was just God, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, one God, communion of love, and perfect and complete and lacking in nothing, and complete and total love, complete and total goodness. Um, and so in the mystery of God's wisdom, God decides to create creation. And... Uh, so in that moment, in the eternal now, God sees it all. God sees it all. In the mystery of his wisdom, in the ineffable mystery of how God knows his omniscience, he knows everything, he sees it all. So the beginning to the end, he already kind of knows. He already sees it. Now, that doesn't mean it's all determined and we're all robots just fulfilling a plot that he already wrote. No, but in, he's outside of space and time. He's all-knowing. He sees it all. He completely and totally sees it all. Creation comes forth from him in complete and total goodness. But the angels and man, okay, unfallen, good. Um, and so this all-knowing, all-powerful, all-loving, all-good God allows the fall of Adam and Eve. He allows the fall of Satan himself. There's only one explanation of why would this all-good, all-knowing, all-loving God allow that? Why would he allow evil to come into being? And uh, it's only because in the biggest picture, 
from beginning to end, the whole thing. He knows and understands that even with the misuse of free will, the fallen angels, fallen men, that in the end, goodness will be will win out. Goodness will be greater. Isn't that a, a, a tremendous source of hope? Imagine the, the, the statue of Lady Justice, you know? Sometimes you see this statue of Justice. She's holding the scales, right? The scales, there's two. And uh, it's like good and evil kind of weigh on that scale, huh? And it must be true that in, when it's all said and done, and the full story of creation and history, all of that stuff, I mean, the biggest possible angle we can imagine, that good is going to so outweigh evil. You know, the, the, the amount of good, the, the depth of the good, the whole thing. It's not like good and evil are at odds with one another and, may, and like what it feels like when you read the news and whatnot, it feels like evil is winning. It feels like there's more evil than good. It feel, you know, like, but theologically, it must be true that in all good, all knowing, all loving, all powerful God, you know, the first moment of creation, he saw the whole deal, what was going to happen, how it was all going to go down, that, that in those scales, the evil is like, what's it say in the Psalms? Less than dust? That the, the good... That's why an all-good, all-knowing, all-loving, all-powerful God, I know it's a mouthful, I keep saying it, I'm sorry, would allow the misuse of free will. He would allow some evil to happen because even out of that, he can bring good. The crucifixion and resurrection of Jesus are the ultimate example of that, but that paradigm will be applied to everything. And so, brothers, when you think about that, it, it gets kind of wild, at least in my mind. And you look at the moment Adam and Eve fell, you could almost say that every evil and every sin that every man will ever commit in history was somehow present in that original sin, right? That, that Adam and Eve created unfallen, that their, the gravity and the culpability of their sin is greater than we can imagine, right? Because they were unfallen. So they, did, they had everything that comes with an unfallen humanity, right? Intellect and will were in harmony. They were in relationship with God. They were in relationship with one another, all of that. So the, 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 the gravity of that sin is much greater than we probably realize, you know, that, but every sin that would ever be committed by a man, uh, man and woman, sorry, a human being, was somehow in potential there, huh? That the original no, Adam and Eve to God, and that from that first original no, in some way that has to do with the solidarity that we have with one another in our humanity, that every sin that would ever be committed was somehow connected there or present there or whatever. And St. Bernard takes that idea and applies it to the moment of Mary's yes and ultimately to the moment of Jesus's yes and offering himself. Um, that, that grace that came um, must be bigger and greater than any sin, any evil, anything that happened. So the goodness of God is at stake and the grace of the Immaculate Conception proclaims the goodness of God like no other way. I mean, that his, his goodness, that his love is completely and totally like an ocean. And every evil, every sin, anything that bad that could have been done is like a drop, you know, that, that we're trying to figure out an example that how can we compare these two things? That, that evil is like a wisp of smoke that gets blown away. It's where to go, you know? That at the end of time, it will be like that, you know? And we'll be in heaven, we'll be with God, and we will just marvel for eternity the way his goodness, the way his love unfolded in history, even despite our own weakness and our fallenness. We, we will just, we'll need eternity to ponder that. 
the goodness and the love and the mercy of this all-powerful, all-loving, all-knowing God. Ooh. And all of that, I believe, is somehow contained in today's feast day, this immaculate conception, this grace that was given to her. Um, that the, and, and then for ourselves, brothers, what does this mean? It means a lot. One thing I'm going to point out, and then I'll conclude, is that whatever happens in our lives, whatever we struggle with, whatever happens to us, whatever trials, whatever difficulties, whatever, you know, and, that trusting in the Lord, trusting in the Lord, you know, he's with us, that his love, that his goodness wins out even in our own individual life, whatever crosses we're carrying, whatever difficulties are there, however dark or desperate it feels sometimes, um, that Jesus has the victory, his love, his mercy, his goodness, he's with us, we have nothing to fear. If God is with us, who can be against us? We can do all things in Christ who strengthens us. What can separate us from the love of Christ? You know, name it. Danger, trial, duh, none of it. You know, his love, his mercy, his grace, his goodness wins the day. You know, in our own lives, in our own lives, that is a message we need to hear. That is good news. And it's true. And it's true. It's, it's the victory of God over death, over sin, over the devil that is ours for the receiving. It's ours. It's a grace. We don't earn it. We receive it. We struggle to say yes to it. And uh, all of this is contained in the mystery of today's feast, the Immaculate Conception. St. Paul said to the Ephesians, without stain. The church is made without stain. That's the word immaculate. And uh, how beautiful, how we should be overflowing with joy and gratitude this day. Uh, take a moment to pause and think about what it all means and how we can just... Uh, Praise and thanks, thank the Lord for his love, for his mercy, for his grace, for his goodness um, that is uh, pervading everything. And uh, to the degree that we see and understand that, we give him thanks and we praise him and we worship him. And uh, that somehow what happens to Mary is connected to what happens to us. And uh, we give thanks this day. Amen. Happens to us. We hope you've enjoyed listening. Please visit us on our website, franciscanfriars.com, or follow us on social media, CFR underscore Franciscans. God bless you.